Welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Uh, you know, it, it's another weekly installment. And, and Bubba, today we're going to go a little more political uh, than we've done on Rick and Bubba University. We, we, we sort of wanted the podcast to kind of be the long-form version of the big show. And, and we've always said that the big show is a show about anything. We really don't land on one topic. Uh, so we're not going to do that with the podcast either. But today we go a little more political and uh, – uh, an old friend is joining us. We've talked with Todd Starnes many times on the program. He's the current president of Starnes Media Group, his daily commentary. Uh, Todd Starnes News and Commentary is heard over uh, on 750-somewhat stations across the country. He's got a three-hour radio show heard on uh, dozens of stations around the country. Uh, he's a syndicated columnist and a best-selling author. Five great books that we've interviewed uh, him about uh, on, on most of those. So Todd Starnes joins us on Rick and Bubba University. Hello, Todd. Professor Rick, Chancellor Bubba, an honor to be with you guys. Look, what an honor for us, Todd, to have uh, have you on. And I know you've been through a lot of changes this year. Uh, you were a regular on Fox News Channel. You're not with them. You've branched out on your own now. And it sounds like you got a lot going on. You know, it really has uh, been a blessing, and uh, the Lord has certainly been good. Uh, after 15 years at uh, the Fox News Corner of the World, uh, we all decided to part ways. And uh, look, um, uh, about a month later, we were broadcasting our radio commentaries on all of our radio stations. Uh, and uh, I think about 80% of our talk st- uh, stations joined us in the new venture as well. So we're pretty excited about it. Uh, still uh, hanging out here among the indigenous liberal population in Brooklyn, <laughs> but uh, soon to be making my way back home to Memphis, Tennessee, in the Deep South. And Todd, you had shared with us that you're actually buying a radio station, I guess is going to kind of be your headquarters for for your media group, right? Yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, we're uh, launching a, a news talk radio station. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a big part of, of radio. I, I love uh, radio. I love the industry. And, uh, and I think that there's, um, I think, you know, the, the future for radio looks really good. And uh, we're going to get out there and do our very best to, uh, to entertain folks and educate folks and just have a great time. Well, you're doing, you know, kind of what we're doing with the industry. This podcast being part of that, and I know you you had the Toddcast. Are you still doing the Toddcast? Oh, it's still doing the Toddcast podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a good time with that. Yeah, I love that. So probably. it's like now, terrestrial radio is certainly um, beloved, and 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 of course, we always love our uh, affiliates and continue to do that and love radio. But in the times we're living in now, even the radio stations themselves. We all do a little bit of it. You got to be out there on the streaming. You got to be out there doing the podcast. Uh, it's a whole new world when, when it comes to media. But but like you, we we still love what we kind of call you know home base, first it's love, our first love, yep. and and that is radio. And so it's great that you're going to be still involved, and you are still involved with that. But you're going to have a home base that will feature a radio station in Memphis. So um, you know, leave it. You know, when you were there at, at Fox News, and we've got a number of topics to cover today. Uh, but I know that there it seems to be more obvious than ever that there clearly is media bias. And I think sometimes there may be media bias, uh, you know, on both political views, not just one to a degree. But when you were at, at Fox and you were kind of in the belly of the beast, was it obvious to you that good old fashioned journalism is, is kind of a, a lost art, that, that there's a lot of bias and agenda driven journalism going on it, was that openly talked about around you or are still something that was kept secret no you know that's a, a terrific question guys and I, and I I think there is a problem in journalism right now and 
I, I suspect it has to do with the almighty dollar, to be perfectly honest with you. A lot of the, a lot of the newsrooms uh, at the network level are populated uh, by kids right out of journalism school. Uh, they don't have any training. They, they are not seasoned veterans in the news industry. Um, it used to be back in the day that you would be uh, you know, in your late 30s, early 40s before you made that jump to the network. And the reason why is that you had to, you had to spend time out in the, in the smaller markets, the heartland of, of the country. And it really did help flavor who you would become as a, as a journalist at the, at the national level. It gives you perspective. Um, you don't have that anymore. And a lot of these kids are just being paid, paid barely minimum wage. I know a lot, I, I was talking to some young journalists at, um, at another network. Uh, they work here in New York City. They actually have to work two other jobs in addition to the job they have at the network. So uh, again, I think the, the issue here is the quality of the journalist at the national level. And then again, guys, the, the other big problem, and this is no secret, when you look at the polling data, there just are not, there are hardly any Republicans, any conservatives in those newsrooms. And when it comes to evangelical Christians, uh, well, you're looking at a, at a minuscule number. Todd, I think you make a good point, because when I was in school uh, and, and doing journalism classes, you, you know, we were assigned stories to go out in our local community. And, you know, we had to do the basics. We had to have two sources. Uh, we had to present both sides of the argument. We didn't make the decision. I think a lot of people confuse people who are commentators, maybe like Sean Hannity or what we do now versus journalists. But to your point, I agree 100%. You used to work your way up, kind of like you did in the radio business. You started out as a journalist in your local town. You, you worked for your local newspaper. And as you did good work, you moved up, you moved up. You went to a state organization, then maybe a national organization. And, and, you know, we've even joked about it. We have people who've won Pulitzer Prizes who I have clippings that did our Little League games when they were first starting. So they worked their way up. But now you don't have that anymore, and it's created a problem that people don't really understand true journalism anymore. So true. You know, that, that's a good point. And, and one of the things that I was taught as, as you know, as a very young reporter, uh, it's important to work in those smaller markets. Uh, you have to because you're writing about the people that you're going to church with. You're writing about the people you're you're going to the Little League, Little League uh, baseball games with. And and that really does give you some perspective here, guys, because when you have to write that bad story about the city councilman, you may be sitting next to that city councilman in church on Sunday. And so you you learn how to maneuver through all of those um, all of those uh, difficulties as a young journalist. And that pays off later, later in life. No, well, doubt, I, I yeah. think I think everybody's probably had something written about them or reported about them. They didn't like, but there were cases at least where they were fair about it. I right. think now you, you've lost that. It's clear so many of them just have an agenda, and they're out half reporting, half truths, things out of context just to push an agenda. And then oh, people that- who are digesting that think that it's journalism, and it's not. Yeah, well, look, you're absolutely right. And, and a great example of this is what happened to me after I left Fox News. Uh, the reality is my contract was ending, and Fox decided not to renew my contract. Well, the stories that came out in the mainstream media were flat out lies and, and fabrications. But I can tell you this, that the one story that really did, I believe, influence my leaving the network had to do with, um, with a comment about illegal aliens invading the nation. And in the context of that, 
I talked about how you know the, the New York Times was very upset that the, that many of us at Fox were using that language. And so we talked about it on our radio program. What exactly is the definition of invasion? When one group of people come into another country without that country's permission, that's an invasion. We used to fight wars over that. The Muslims did it back in the day. I explained on the radio that when the Nazis came into Europe, they invaded the country. Well, it was we had even finished the radio show, guys, and Media Matters um, actually posted a headline that accused me of, of comparing illegal aliens to Nazis. And it was a flat out lie. But you know what, guys, it really doesn't matter anymore because as we know, the culture's telling us truth is irrelevant. It's really what your truth is. And that's a big, big problem in our country right now, especially in newsrooms. Well, and we, we talk about it on the show all the time. I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Is what's happened, and Bubba touched on it a little bit too. My wife, you know, was a journalist, and, and I remember her starting out in her local market, at times had to carry the camera herself uh, to go and then set up a microphone for the stand up, try to get the camera right, get around in front of the camera you know, and then do her stand-up, and then she would then work the camera to interview the person she was interviewing while holding the microphone out, would go back and edit the story, uh, and then it would, would air that evening for a whopping, you know, $13,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember that vividly because, you know, I, I was there with her through that process. But there was never, ever any discussion at all other than go get the story. And I think what's happened now and Bubba touched on it. Number one, and he's right, they don't know the difference between being a commentator and being a journalist. And they come from this social media world where what what do I do? I build my YouTube channel or my Instagram where I give my opinions on the way I think the world should be. And then before you know it, I'm working in, in journalism. So I think that journalism isn't really looking to your point, Todd, for the truth. It's just a propaganda wing where I now participate in propaganda to advance my worldview. You know what, Rick, I think you're right about that. And and a lot of people would say, well, this really started, you know, when, when President Trump won the election. No, I don't think so. I believe this started back in the 1990s. But really, honestly, back in the 19 um, in the 19 uh, late 1960s, yeah. when Walter Cronkite infam- infamously came out against the, the Vietnam War, that was really the start of it. Mm. And we saw we, we saw this get even worse during the Clinton years uh, with Monica Lewinsky and with the rise of, of, of Newt Gingrich, Speaker Newt. And then, if you remember, Bush v. Gore, um, it sort of exploded and we have seen it snowball into where we are now, where the mainstream media is literally trying to take out a duly elected president. Todd, did, there's nothing wrong with being a commentator. I mean, you work with a lot of them at Fox News. We're commentators. You have a position. You 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 talk about that. You may even have a little humor, a little comedy with it. It's entertaining. People decide if they want to listen to it or not. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't understand why people who want to do that won't just be a commentator. Why do they masquerade or think they're masquerading as a journalist? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Um, it, it's it's I, I laugh whenever I hear one of these uh, these anchors say, "Well, we're the journalist of whatever news organization," and then they go out and they they spout, they spout off about some left wing propaganda. <laughs> it, it's just really silly. And and look, I, as a you know as a former journalist, and you know I jumped over about eight years ago to the commentary side of things. I think it is important whether you are on the the right or the left. 
you need to be honest with people and let them know where you're coming from. Um, you know, I was pretty open about that when I went to work at Fox News. I, they knew exactly what they were getting when they hired me. I told them where I stood on some of the big issues of the day, including the, the life movement. And uh, I wanted to give them the option to say, OK, well, you know, we don't like this guy. So, you know, we're not going to hire you. But but I think that's incumbent upon the reporter and the journalist to to at least share where they're coming from with their editors so their editors can make those decisions as well. Todd, do you think this and, and I don't want to you know get too big with this, but is it a journalism problem? Is it a education problem? Is it a campus problem? Or is it just a reflection of our society as a whole, the way we have drifted over the past 40 to 50 years? No, I think, well, I think all of the above, but predominantly this is uh, an education problem. Uh, We do not have any good, solid Christian journalism programs in, in America. I mean, we have, well, for example, Liberty University, they're doing a great job, um, but they're one of the few. We need more Christian universities that are teaching American young people how to be good journalists. And I say Christian universities because the public schools just aren't doing it. Uh, they are churning out uh, radical propagandists. And that is evident based on where we are right now in American journalism. All you have to do is look at what's happening in our newsroom. That's what they were taught in their journalism schools. Because again, uh, we're now hiring people right out of journalism school to be producers and associate producers at the network level. That is extremely dangerous. And, and quite frankly, we are watching the dumbing down of journalism in America. Todd, let me talk about academia just a minute. Even at quote-unquote Christian universities, and we have several in our area, and we have interns from those that come and work with us, some of the things they tell us that they get taught would abs- you go you got to be joking me even when it comes to biblical issues the bible itself the holy word of god the things that they're being taught are is scary and where have we failed in academia and why do you think the academic types always go to the left there's never a drift to the right it's always to the left and further to the left. You know, that's a great question. I, I, you know, I think we've, we have seen this in a lot of Christian schools. You have to look no further than Harvard, Harvard and Yale right. were created to be Christian schools to trade up ministers for the gospel. Um, so, so this is nothing new in, in American academic life. Um, it does trouble me. I'm a Southern Baptist, uh, guys, and uh, it's been sad to see so many of our Southern Baptist colleges and universities uh, not only lurch left, but go right off the cliff. Um, and they're embracing all sorts of um, ideologies and, and things that are certainly contrary to the teachings of, of our denomination. Um, but I, I think it, it is a good reminder that we have to pay close attention to what's happening even even on Christian uh, college and university campuses. I can tell you this, fellas, I know one school that um, is uh, it's, it's an evangelical school, and I can tell you matter-of-factly that the faculty of that school is actually more liberal than the student body. And, and I hear from a lot of students who tell me and, and share some of those same things I suspect you guys are being told yeah. ab- about um, this, uh, this liberal ideology being taught. Uh, uh, taught on those campuses. Well, you see that in Scripture, and I think when you talk about the Christian uh, universities, you see, I mean, we don't get very far 
in, in the church uh, once it's established in the book of Acts. You know, we don't go too far before we're being warned letters to the pastors from the Apostle Paul. Uh, we, we, we see, you know, some of the letters from John. And what are they saying? We now have false teachers uh, that are working their way into the church body. Be careful of bad theology, and these people need to be identified. They need to be, there needs to be caution, and they need to be removed. And I really believe that liberals, um, that what I mean by the modern-day definition of a liberal, I think they're like weeds. They come with the garden, mm-hmm. but if you don't stay on top of them, they take over the garden. And I know that at one, a Christian university that I'm very familiar with, uh, I know that the, the, the president that has been there, you know, a relatively short period of time, he said we've had to start the process of weeding these people out because they have popped up like right. weeds all over the university, and it doesn't happen overnight. But trust me, one by one, we're changing the dynamic of our faculty to better reflect sound biblical doctrine. Uh, so this has been kind of going on from the beginning. It's just you can't allow it to go on. That's right, and, and I think that's a great um, illustration. It's really like tending a garden where you just have to pay close attention, and like you said, when those uh, weeds uh, pop up, you have to uh, you have to take care of uh, take care of business. Uh, but you know, the same thing is happening in in many of our churches, um, guys. I got to tell you, when you look at what's happening with the culture right now, um, I think a, a big problem is that many churches around the country have disengaged from the culture war. Yeah. And as a result, um, chaos has ensued. And we've been talking a lot, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the nation's largest Protestant denomination, which are, you know, is the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, they have pretty much, pretty much disengaged from the culture war, by and large, disengaged from the culture war. That is a dangerous thing when you do that, because again, we are called to be salt and light. Uh, we cannot hide our light under a bushel. We can't be on a sodium-free diet. We have to engage the culture, and if we don't, well, we get what we deserve. What do you? Why do you think that has become the norm? Do you think that people just don't want to be challenged? They don't want to be picketed. They don't want to be told that they're, you know, this phobe and that phobe and this and that and all these titles, Todd. Do you think they just want an easier path? Oh, no doubt about it. And you guys know this. I mean, man, they come, you know, you say something uh, that is contrary to what the uh, the culture of the day is telling us, uh, they'll come after you. And it's not just calling you names. They try to destroy you. And then they go after your family. So, uh, you know, I get it. Um, you know, a lot of pastors, they don't want that kind of uh, chaos and turmoil. And it's a lot easier maybe not to talk about those issues from from the pulpit. But you know we're not called to do that. We, you know, the, the Bible doesn't tell us that the uh, the Christian uh, life is easy. Uh, we are going to have to take stands, and we are going to have to speak up. It, we have to do it in a winsome way. We can't adapt the tactics of of the left, but we do have to take a stand, and we've got to address these issues. And again, if we do not, then I really feel feel bad for this country, guys. I was looking at a. Um, a couple of surveys where younger Americans, I think this is the Woodrow Wilson Foundation, uh, younger Americans don't have a clue um, about the basics of our country and they cannot even pass a citizenship test. That's a troubling thing, guys. You know what's interesting about that, Todd, and I totally agree with what you were saying about about the the church, uh, the Western church, is, you know, really the, the Bible said we are to be at peace with everyone as far as it concerns us. 
But sometimes society won't play their part of that, so you don't have a choice. We're also told uh, that we never compromise God's standard for anyone. And Jesus told us, as you just said, if you want to follow me, then here's what it's going to be like. And it really wasn't a pleasant picture uh, as far as this side of eternity. Now, it's going to be wonderful when it's all resolved. He said the world was going to hate you because they hate me. And you know why he said the world hated him? Because I tell them it's evil. I point at the word world and I say, in your fallen state, you're evil, and they hate me for it. And when you do what I've commanded you to do, we need to do it the way he said to do it. But sometimes because it's just a truth, the truth in and of itself is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Jesus, uh, his John 14, 6 is for a lot of people offensive. He said, it's my way or no way. Uh, and so we're not supposed to compromise the things. You know, we get to a point where it's like, all right, the society's going to be angry with me. Or God's going to be angry with me. We're supposed to pick society, and uh, and and that's pretty clear in Scripture. But back to the other point about the you know our our, our young people not understanding you know anything spiritually or just uh, you know about our country's history. I was just looking at this the other day, and I didn't know this. Okay, and y'all can check me on this. You know, I guess this, this seemed to be a pretty credible source that said that Thomas Jefferson was actually a proponent for public education, but here's why. And you talk about something not being a 180 from what it was Mm -hmm. intended. He was afraid that we would lose the republic if we didn't take it upon ourselves to get them educated as as a whole. We can't really depend that that's going to happen in these little community schools. What if they don't understand our country? It was really intended to be sure we indoctrinated generation after generation in a clear, pure knowledge of the constitutional republic, the founding of the country, and who we were as Americans, and it's turned out to do exactly the opposite. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if Jefferson said that. Uh, if he did, I think it's uh, spot on. But whoever said it, it was pretty brilliant because that is a, a terrific observation. Uh, you know, one of the things I've been recommending, really, in my past two books has uh, been that moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas take on the responsibility of teaching their kids about American history. Uh, don't ju- don't assume that your local public school is going to do that job for you. Oh, no. Otherwise, your kid might uh, be graduating and uh, announcing that he's a, a, a communist. So <laughs> um, when you look at the, the polling data, and there's been a whole lot of it, um, it's very clear that Generation Z the millennial generation are embracing concepts like socialism. And why is that? I mean, are moms and dads, you know, really having a conversation around the dinner table in North Mississippi about why communism is or is better than, you know, capitalism? No, of course not. This is what they're learning in their public schools. They're being in- indoctrinated. And it really is this idea of dumbing down America. Uh, we're, again, we're dumbing down journalism. We're dumbing down the church. How many kids are not even going to Sunday school anymore? We're dumbing down uh, the public education system. Kids don't even understand what it means to be an American. They don't understand about our founding documents. Why is it that we're dumbing down America? Well, I talk about this in Culture Jihad. I, I suggest that this is all part of a much broader effort to bring socialism to America, and one of the one of the quickest ways to do that is to dumb down the population because it's a lot easier to take over from you know if you have a stupid population. Well, there's no doubt about that. Todd, is there as people who think we're going the wrong way as a whole, how do we change this, or is it too far gone in your opinion? 
No, I don't think it's too far gone, uh, guys, at all. And uh, I, I love quoting this, uh, that great uh, hymn we used to sing in church, uh, you know, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's blood and righteousness. Uh, that's why, you know, I have hope. Um, I do think that we are, um, we are in for a long haul here. Uh, we're not going to be able to change the country overnight, not even in uh, five years or 10 years. I think this is a long-term uh, process. We, it took a long time to get where we are. But this is going to take patriots, freedom-loving patriots, rising up and taking a stand and, and really embracing um, the public education system, running for school board, uh, putting Christian teachers in the classroom. This is about putting journalists that um, understand you know, the, you know, what it means to be a, a news reporter in American newsrooms. Uh, so this is a long process. Uh, one of the things that we've done um, is that you know, we have um, embraced on our radio program, we've adopted a Christian university, True at McConnell University up in North Georgia. Uh, they're doing a terrific job of churning out um, patriots and, and good, solid Christian citizens. And so just find a place where you can get plugged in and invest not just your time, but also your money and, of course, your prayer time as well. It's, it's, it's a long, long effort here, guys. Todd, let me tie some of that into politics today in Washington and how this is going. A lot of people who support President Trump don't necessarily like his style or the way he does things or the fact he attacks people or the way he tweets. We had Don Jr. on the show not too long ago, and I I thought he made a good point uh, that has echoed with me on that topic. He said, you know, we're fighting a culture war right now, and President Trump is pushing back, you know, like against a glacier that's coming slowly but has been moving our whole society uh, in another direction. And when you have resistance to that, it's going to be ugly and it's going to be nasty, but you got to roll your sleeves up and fight. And I think there's really something to that. Yeah, I do too. And I appreciate the fact that this president is a fighter. You know, we finally have somebody in the White House who's not afraid to, to stand up to the left, not afraid to stand up to the mainstream media. But more importantly, he is delivering on his promises to the uh, the gun-toting, Bible-clinging deplorables who put him into the White House. And that has been something that's been fairly unusual uh, when it comes to Republican presidents. You know, I, um, I've been watching a lot of the impeachment proceedings. Um, there's been a lot of uh, postulating and uh, pontificating uh, in Washington. But something uh, that really caught my attention is uh, something Jim Jordan said. It was uh, Wednesday night. And Jim Jordan was uh, giving a speech and explaining what was really going on here. And it wasn't so much. And the gist of what he was saying is the reason that they hate Donald Trump is because they hate us and they hate what we stand for. They hate those people who live in that so-called flyover country. And that was illustrated in the text messages between Peter Strzok and his lover, his paramour, Lisa Page, the uh, the smelly Walmart people. Um, Jim Jordan said, in essence, that they're not just trying to impeach President Trump, but they're trying to impeach the will of the American people. And and I think that's what's really going on here. Oh, Nadler said it. I mean, we, we, we did this on the on the big show today. Uh, Nadler said sometimes you can't wait for an election uh, for a president to be removed. And, and I, I, I mean, he, he's saying out loud, uh, we can't keep depending on the way it works here in this country. Because they keep getting it wrong, because basically. The, that the people can't really do the job anymore of deciding when a president should stay or go. 
No, look, I mean, you guys are absolutely right here. I mean, look, was that Congresswoman Bass said uh, that they may possibly even uh, impeach the president again if he gets reelected. Uh, you I mean, had without cause. They're just going to do it. Yeah. Go ahead and plan to do it now without a reason. <laughs> it's true, guys. I mean, this is look, I mean, this is why we have to get out. I, there has to be such a massive get out the vote campaign uh, for 2020. I'm telling you, fellas, I've been saying this on my radio program. I think this president wins in a landslide. And if these Democrats go through with impeachment, I think they're going to lose Congress again. Todd, do they not? You know, I, I think the same thing. And I'm not a pollster. I see what people put out. And, you know, they're right sometimes, sometimes they're not. Of course, they had Trump losing, what, seven, eight points on election night before. But do what? let me ask you this, Todd, just from a political standpoint, what is the plan by the Democrats? Do they think this is helping their cause? Because I think what they have done is they've only galvanized people who may have been getting tired of Trump, tired of tweets, uninterested in the process. They have energized those people back to defend him. Yeah, it's a fair point. And by the way, just for, for the sake of clarification, um, my my head pollster is my Uncle Jerry from Coldwater, Mississippi. <laughs> I think he basically, his polling base is the men's Bible study group at the United Methodist Church. Right. But, but they're pretty accurate. Yeah, how's his poll looking? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> he's saying Trump in a landslide, too, so I'm going with Uncle Jerry. Um, but, you know— I, I don't feel sorry for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she, you know, she is responsible for, you know, where we are right now. But I think that she's in a tough spot because if she was actually in control of her party, they would not be impeaching this president. They probably would have censured the president. But she's not in charge of the party. The socialists are in charge of the party. And they are driving this impeachment battle. And even if it means destroying the Democrat Party, they're going to do it because they want to take out Donald Trump. I mean, what else are they going to run on? They have done absolutely nothing uh, since they got control of the House of Representatives. Well, Todd, do they really think they're going to take out the president? Do they do they not see the numbers in the Senate that most of these Republicans are not going to, they're not going to get nowhere close to the, what is it, two-thirds uh, number they have to have? So yeah. they're going to yeah. impeach him and nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I think they have to have, what, 20, um, 20 Republicans in the Senate. I don't think that's going to happen. And even Millard Mitt Romney, I don't even think Romney is is going to vote against the president here. And, and look, you're, the Washington Post had a piece out today suggesting that a good number of those, those Democrats in districts won by President Trump back in 2016 may end up voting against impeachment. So you could, you could, yeah, they may pass the, you know, this, I'm fairly certain they're going to impeach the president uh, in the house, Yeah, but you're going to have bipartisan opposition to that um, in the house of representatives. So, I think that's the headline. So what have they accomplished? They've spent a lot of time. They've spent two years, numerous investigations, blah, blah, blah. They've tried everything under the sun. They've, they've misled the FISA court. What is the end game here? What What is their victory in this? So we impeach the president. The textbooks will say that. But we lose the House. President goes back in overwhelmingly. What did they gain? Well, I think that's it. I, I think this is really about history and making sure that President Trump is marked with the red, with that scarlet letter of impeachment. I think this is what this is really all about. 
and and really nothing more than that. Um, because they know they can't get rid of him. They cannot oust him. And look, the, the polling data, we were looking at another poll today where a majority of Americans, uh, Democrat and Republican, are opposing the impeachment of this president. They do not want him thrown out of office. And why is that? Well, mainly because everybody's got a job now and people have more money in their bank accounts and uh, folks are feeling pretty good about the direction of the country. As a matter of fact, Uh, I was reading a report the other day that says most Americans say their number one source of stress is actually politics. So (laughs) I think a lot of people are tuning out. And and Todd's story today, the Federal Reserve has took in more money in tax revenue than ever before. Ever before. Yeah. For this past year. He's delivering on those promises. Yeah, if you'll just ignore facts, you really can make a pretty good case against him. Um, Todd, I know you got to go, and and we're wrapping up too. And thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And we want to have you back again, and we'll we'll visit some of these other things we didn't get to today. Oh yeah, at toddstarns.com, all things Todd Starns can be found there. If you, if you've never read the books we mentioned, they're great resources. Uh, it, it should be you know a, a standard for every family and to make sure their family goes through these because we are living in a time that you got to do your work to be sure that your family is being educated properly on the true history of this country. Todd, continued success to you, and thank you for being our guest today on Rick and Bubba University. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, look, you know, Memphis is just a short drive down to Alabama, so maybe we could um, maybe we could do like a barbecue tour or something. Uh, yeah, we got a new interstate. We're going to come up and see your radio state. That's right. We can get their direct shot now. That's a great interstate. I drove that interstate. It's a pretty nice interstate, too. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University.